So, Zach, I'm going to introduce right now Dr. Natalie Azar. Uh, Dr. Natalie is someone that I've um, that I met on the Today Show. I was doing a fun little segment called "Guys Tell All," which is not fitness related at all. <laughs> I'm giving I'm giving like advice to women on dating and doing uh -huh. all this different stuff. Which yes, of course, I'm an expert on. <laughs> but uh, Dr. Azar impressed me so much. I mean, she's a she's a um, a professor for NYU Langone. Did she take your tips? Is that what happened? Like, was no, she like, I think she was out the door by the yeah. okay. But, you know, mother, you know, mother of two, um, she is, um, her expertise is rheumatology. Okay. So I, I know a lot of people don't necessarily know the yeah. definition of that, which I'd like you to explain, but we sure. are going to be discussing today um, a very interesting topic to a lot of people. And it's, you know, training around injury, training around pain. Do you mm -hmm. do it? Do you not do it? But can you kind of define rheumatology? Yeah. Can you kind of go through your whole path? through in, in the medical field and let's and let's take it from there yeah sure no um i get asked this a lot i think the probably the most popular misconception about rheumatology is that it's um all old people you yeah. know um and certainly we, we all know that as we as we age our joints wear and tear and um and older individuals certainly do have osteoarthritis as well as thinning of the bones which is osteoporosis but um as i said it's a bit of a misconception because rheumatology really deals with autoimmune diseases mm -hmm. um uh first and foremost most or primarily also, and that tends to affect um, all people of all ages, and particularly younger people, um, and particularly women. A lot of our diseases are, you know, preferentially affect females versus males, and so that's how I kind of got interested in in the field. I wanted to work, um, you know, sort of with that with that diverse group of patients. Um, and, you know, I think rheumatology is a little bit of a misnomer. It, it kind of comes from the term rheumatism, um, which is joint. Um, and it's really, there's almost no disease that I treat that only affects the joints. A lot of our conditions are, as I said, autoimmune um, and they're systemic diseases. So they can affect any organ um, and they do affect the joints and it presents as arthritis. And so that's kind of like the origin of the name, but I think it just gives you a little bit of some insight or a quick peek into the world of rheumatology, which is very complex. Um, a lot of organ systems are involved. So we kind of, the joke is, you know, when people don't know what's going on, they call the rheumatologist. We're internists first. We have internal medicine, and then we subspecialize as a rheumatologist. So we have to know a lot about all the different, you know, organ systems and how they all work together. And when they go wrong, it presents as disease, um, and many of the, those diseases are ours. So when you hear someone uh, say that they have rheumatoid arthritis, yeah. that means it's an autoimmune disease that's Correct. affecting. Disease sounds like a very harsh word, but it really it is. is. Yeah. Um, it's a, an autoimmune disease that's causing that inflammation, that yeah. arthritis. You got it. it, it exactly. It's that simple. Exactly. And can that be can that be uh, treated? Can that be fixed completely? I mean, how do you how do you yeah. deal with that exactly? So we 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 generally don't promise and and talk about cures. Um, because we're not quite there yet. Um, mm -hmm. But we do talk about remission, and we talk about sustained remission, which for some patients can be lifelong. Sometimes it can be a few weeks or a few months. Um, but, you know, as of about 15 to 20 years ago, when biologic therapies came on the landscape, it really changed, um, it really changed the game for, for treating, uh, you know, RA patients and all of our diseases. And we really can make a huge impact in people's lives with our drugs. But we also make an impact in our patients' lives with um, with diet and exercise. Now, I have a question about when people come to you and you're explaining to them how things connect in their body. Do they generally know or not know a lot about how their body works? Both. You know, I mean, in the age of the Internet, it's unusual to have a patient who's never heard of the diagnosis that I'm giving them. 
Um, and and we, I personally love when patients have informed themselves when they come to see me. I know a lot of doctors who are a little older than I feel very, you know, threatened or challenged by that. Um, but I always will say that, I mean, there's so many different sayings, but, you know, one of which is that if you think you've stopped learning or you have nothing else to learn, it's time to hang up your coat, you know, mm. that kind of thing. So, um, you know, generally patients come in and they're pretty informed about, um, about their symptoms and they already have generated a differential diagnosis in their minds. Right. Um, but, you know, for some people that can be a not so good thing if they're down the rabbit hole and they get really nervous. Like when they come in, like, this is what I have. Uh, then why are you here? Um, like. Is it frustrating? I think it's only frustrating if I, if if I perhaps disagree with them and they and they are just so fixated Pushing on something, back on you know. Um, and I think you know, while I encourage people to be as informed as they can, I think it's also difficult to interpret these things in isolation. That would be like me going to my accountant and saying, I think I should have this deduction. Like I don't have the background to, you know, understand that stuff. So I just would would just caution patients that, you know, it's perfectly great to read and be informed, but um, you know, I think they should come with the expectation that it that it's a conversation with their doctor. Right. You know. What percentage of individuals come in to see you with an issue? And you know, I, I I see this a lot in today's world. Someone yeah. has arthritis or they have a digestive issue or, you know, and, and they're not, I think there's like low hanging fruit things that you can just fix. Like diet and exercise are just very, yeah. in, in my opinion, they're very difficult for some people, but improving a specific category or, you know, getting on an anti-inflammatory diet, call it what you want. Yeah. For me, it's like when you have an issue, attack that. Right. How, how frustrating does that get for you? I mean, out of the... 10 people that you might see in a day, I'm just making this number up, you know, are nine of them kind of brushing off what you're telling them and just going about their, their lifestyle and, and continue to do what they're doing? Like, how many people actually are like, Dr. Azar, I will do whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah. Tell me what I have to do. If I have to give up alcohol, I will give up alcohol. Uh, and I'm gonna throw my dad under the, the bus. Yeah. He, had, he has a, a, a respiratory issue going on right now and he's, you know, he's in and out of the, the doctor and you know, he's still having you know, his cocktail every night and I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I don't agree with it. I'm like, just just dive in right now. Yeah. Like this has been bothering you for for months. You can't shake it. You've been on steroids. You've been on a medication. Like like do everything that you can, and he doesn't. You know, I think I'm mad at him. By the way, I'm, I know, right? <laughs> to be honest, most of them do do something about it, and if they haven't been doing stuff about it, they kind of are a little bit sheepish. You know, um, you know, when I started private practice, that was in 2001. People were just not as engaged as they are now in. Hmm. In their bodies, they—I don't think they felt like they had, um, you know, the power to do much. That we didn't talk about diet and exercise the way we do now. I mean, now I did a a, a panel discussion a couple of weeks ago about how millennials are changing healthcare um, for so many different, so many, so many different yeah, ways. So. Whether well. It's very interesting, really, honestly. It's and I didn't. I don't know if I didn't answer your question. Maybe we'll get back no, to it. Get but back like, to it. Are, I'm, I'm kind of um, jumping around. This is kind of this is kind of really interesting. So I guess like millennials are changing industries. Um, craft beer is a perfect example. You know, like nobody goes to a bar. Sorry, Coors Light or Bud, whatever. They want a craft beer now, right. and that's all millennial driven. And in healthcare, it's that they want everything digital, right? They want to telecommunicate with their doctors. They're not getting primary care doctors anymore. They are just going to urgent care if they have a problem. 
Um, and, and, you know, as the doctor on that side, it's like, you got to change with the times or you're, you're they're just going to be left behind, right. you know, because they'll find someone who's going to fit their needs. Right. And their need is, I'm not making an appointment for three months. I want to be seen today or tomorrow. And I want a diagnosis and I want an answer. But what I said, what I brought to the table at the panel discussion was like, I can li- give you my laundry list of drugs that I prescribe and that are life-saving and literally change people's lives, but they all have potential toxicities, as we all know, and side effects and drug interactions. And a lot of patients are like, I want to know what I have. Yes, you can tell me about the drugs, but I don't want to take anything. What can I do short of taking this prescription that you want to prescribe that will make me better? And, and what I said on that panel, and I'll say again today, is that, you know, that's not how I was trained. I mean, there was zero education on nutrition. I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say it. I graduated from medical school in 1996. It's, I don't even know if it's starting to become part of the curriculum now, but I will tell you that the movement that we're seeing with functional medicine and integrative medicine and, you know, nutrigenomics and all that stuff, like, that's what patients want. Patients want to get better without taking drugs, um, and they want to do it with diet. And it's like, talk about leaving all these doctors like myself in the dust. Like we just, besides saying have an anti-inflammatory diet, which is kind of very um, broad yeah, or, you yeah, know, yeah, or yeah. whatever, or very, I should say general, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're just not trained to give people much beyond that, which is such a deficiency, I think, in like a conventionally trained curriculum. Yeah, but I mean, it's, tra- it's, training. it's gotta be good. I mean, it's one part of that's gotta be good, but on the other hand, it's gotta be bad also because sometimes the patient really needs drugs. <laughs> it's Correct. like, okay, this is not going to be fixed by eating kale. Yeah. And is and it because I, they feel like it's, um, like there's defective if they have to take drugs? Like, no, I should be able to do this. Like internally, I should be able to do it myself with willpower or whatever. No, it is. I think it's really that people are just so scared of side effects, Yeah, you know, because they, everyone comments about the commercials that, they, I mean, all the drugs that I prescribe are, uh, like I say, it's like an SNL skit, you know, I mean, it's like, this can cause blah, 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 blah. And death. Yeah. Like who would take that? Right. But yeah, it's the way that, you know, they just, over. you know, legally have to present it that way, I guess on, you know, commercials, but, um, no patients will, I mean, listen, in, most patients are reasonable enough that if I give them, I don't even read them the riot act. I just say, listen, you know, this is what can happen to you if you don't treat your disease. And I, and I'm like, I'm not saying this to scare you, but if you inadequately treat your disease, A, B, C, D, E can, will probably happen to you on the flip side. You're probably not going to have a side effect from the drug, but you know, we'll monitor for them. So I usually start the conversation that way. I just took whatever the doctor told me to take when I was younger. It's like, that yeah, was that penicillin, ju- whatever. That yeah, that sure. I'll eat it. <laughs> like it's what frustrates me now is a lot of the influencers out there who, you know, have developed a wellness page. Yeah. And we always talk like, like in my world, you're you're a coach or you're an influencer, and then you're a doctor. Like, let's be very clear here. Like, I know my I know what my scope of work is. I gotta stay in that parameter. Mm-hmm. An, an influencer, if this is working for you or you're, you've decided to be vegan, that's fine. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna tell you it's good or bad. If you want my opinion, I will give it, but that works for you. Now, when people are turning around and they're trying to educate others on medical issues, yeah. on things where if someone has a disease or a sickness, and unfortunately, you have you know Jane Smith who's taking yoga you know five days a week, and she started juicing, and she feels amazing from it. And she's like, "Oh no, you don't have to listen to Doctor Azar. Let's just you know let's just start juicing, and that's going to fix everything." That's the problem that I have now, and, yeah. uh, and we're actually seeing that that a lot. Are you battling that in, in some meetings? Are, are people coming in you now and saying, "Well, you know, I've heard this and I've heard that," and you're like, "Well, heard it from who?" Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, 
Well, that started a while ago right. with someone who I'm not going to necessarily name by name, but they it's called awesome. it the blah, blah, blah effect. Yes. You know what I'm talking yes. about. Yes. Um, but, you know, uh, here here's the, the fine line that I'm walking. And that is that on the one hand, um, you, you know, when you're going against dogma, you know, and conventional wisdom and what the science says, it could be a, it could be a scary place, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like uncharted territory. And then on the flip side, I think that the longer that I've practiced medicine, the more I've realized too that you know sometimes there are deficiencies in our science. We, I mean, people joke all the time about how like one day vitamin D is good for you, the next day it's not because of a study. And you know, I think to assume that science or medicine is static and that what we did 10 years ago is still how we have to do it today is not really right, you know? So you have, but but I don't necessarily have the, the overarching wisdom to know when what we're telling people as doctors and MDs is always right, you know? It's hard. I find that the longer I practice, the less, I don't know, not, not I want to say the less confidence I have in our, in our, you know, medical information websites and places it's just i can pinpoint specific examples where you know established medical stuff has failed people has failed yeah you know and and chronic fatigue syndrome is the big one you right. know i mean but it's it just like, takes one it just takes one time and that and so and you that know, it just takes one by time. the way yeah. and that's part of the apparently part of the millennial thing is a little bit of like that distrust right and that and that's also a scary place because then you a little further and all of a sudden it's conspiracy theories you, you know, know you know it's it, a slippery slope it, yeah it, it reminds me when you catch a celebrity on a bad day and this this could be i know some great individuals i work with some great people out there that just one day they could have had a fight with their wife and their kids screaming yeah. at them and they go outside and paparazzi jumps in their face and they snap on the person they get them on camera and suddenly the guy's an ass you know oh, right. what's that I don't work with him, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's always trying, trying to throw me under the idea. But, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, unfortunately, in the position that you're in, it just takes one time for you to be wrong, and that's right. that's a pretty bad statistic. Like a major league hitter well, can, they see can strike out seven of ten times and get three hits the other times, and he's in the Hall of Fame his career. Right. Unfortunately, you're wrong one oh, time, yeah, 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 and yeah. it's like, see that? I told you, doctors, they don't they don't know. And right. listen to my friend here is juicing and, and right. <laughs> take a Buddhist yeah. medicine approach, and everything gets fixed. Yeah, but doesn't it? Isn't it like? Um, you know, to, to build on that, it's like that's what you're trying to do in terms of like stepping back and not being so rigid with what you're, you, yes. you're, you're saying. And but a lot of people, you're a lot of other doctors, you're saying are not. So yeah, I see like it must be kind of a tough field right now because it, it is. Yeah, I it is. I mean, I I think sometimes it's like ignorance is bliss. Like if you just don't know that that other world exists and you just you're not open minded, then you can just keep on practicing the medicine that you practice and never hear a word about it. But I just, I just realized a couple of years ago, I mean, as soon as my eyes were open to certain things, I was like diagnosing people with, you know, this condition right and left. And I, and I just would never have known about it if I had, huh. you know, stayed in my... Stayed in your path and kept your head down. And that whole like stay in your lane thing, that's yeah. like the newest thing that everyone is yeah. saying. And yeah. it's kind of like, really though? I mean, it, yeah, it's you have important, to evolve. but you, ha you have right. to. You yeah. just have to be open-minded about things and be willing to learn and relearn and unlearn. Right. Yeah. But, but shouldn't like isn't that a good thing though if doctors are continuing their education by ex like expanding yeah. what they know like instead of I don't know I just it seems yes. like uh, <laughs> more people would want to gravitate toward what you're doing instead of yeah. you know the opposite of just I mean, saying that's, no. That's where I, I that's where I am right now in my in my head where it's like 
I find myself having to teach myself things, you know, that I wasn't taught 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we are supposed to do that. Yeah. That's what we're that's what we're told in medical you school. You do the same thing as as a coach. I mean, you you have to, and right? and you and you can't turn around. And like what I've done a really great job of is surrounding myself with really smart people. Yeah. And yeah, there's doctors I work with at HSS, and I've got a team of three physical therapists that work out of my club, and two nutritionists, and I'm always bouncing ideas. And I'm not trying to come off as a jack of all trades. I'm the guy you come to, and I can put you in a good spot or with the yeah. right person. Yeah. And that's kind of how I sell it. But you know, at no point am I trying to walk around saying I'm an expert in any area. No. I'm a professional. No, I can't tell you how many people I've seen who are just who I've said, you know, I don't know exactly what it is you have. I'll be honest with you, but I'll try to help you find out. And that's all. And that's like means everything. But that's to a really them, nice you know? answer to give. Yeah, it is. Yeah, really as opposed to making something up or just or telling them that they're depressed. Yeah, I bet you could make it up though, and they would totally buy it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> presented the right way. Yeah, totally. I I definitely want to pivot pivot into one area that you're really yeah. passionate in, and that's and, and that's pain, coping with pain. Yeah. From, from an exercise standpoint. Yeah. Because in, in a way, this is where I think we're gonna mesh pretty pretty yes. well right now. Uh -huh. And um, you know, people will come to me post-surgery after they're yeah. you know, through physical therapy, and it's time to train, or, they're, or we, we're doing prehab, like getting them ready for a yeah. surgery, and they feel like, well, my shoulder's bad, or they gotta open up, and I can't train. Yeah. And inside, that's a very bland explanation. That yeah. It goes way deeper. Can you give me some different examples and things yeah. that you're trying I to Yeah, I mean, educate? I that I love that that you that you started with that because my own, oh my god, my sister's not going to listen. Well, she might. But like she's the classic example of, "Oh, I hurt over here." Right. So therefore, the rest of my body doesn't work. Tell your sister, we didn't yeah. pry on this. Yeah, she just exactly. <laughs> you know, like I just did this with somebody the other day. Like they had a maybe like a shoulder thing. And I was like, okay, so you don't, don't do your shoulders. Yeah. Right. I was like, you have a back, you have a core, you've got legs. I was like, you can still work out, yeah, right? Yeah. So I have this sort of thing with my patients, ironically, and the only disease that makes, that, that is made worse by exercise happens to be chronic fatigue syndrome, which is another whole conversation. But... I literally say to my patients, there's almost no example ever where I will tell someone not to exercise. Right. And they, I mean, the eyes just go, really? I can exercise, you know? Like I even tell people that they can run with bad knees, you know? based on some fantastic studies. I don't mm -hmm. know if you guys, you know, aware, like a couple of years ago, marathon runners have less knee OA than right. their sedentary counterparts. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they're so lean and they don't have that, the burden of the mass on their knees, right? Um, so for me, like my philosophy with my patients is um, there's, there's no way you can't find an exercise that works for you. Between everything that there's, whether it's stationary bikes or Pilates or swimming or weights, like we'll work around your injury if that's the case. And believe me, like I send people to PT and I send them to pain management to, you know, work on specific things to enable them to. Um, and with some like pretty basic guidelines, like if it's a little bit uncomfortable, okay. If it's painful, you no, stop. Right. Um, if you have to pre-medicate, you know, if you're allowed to take an NSAID, if I said you can take an anti-inflammatory, Take it prior to exercise. Take it. Take a Tylenol prior to exercise, because you will still benefit from, you know, the benefit of the exercise will outweigh the, you know, the risk of taking that medicine in most cases. You know. So let's say that that um, that that you're sent uh, somebody that was approved to to exercise and they have an injury, 
I don't know. What's my process? Yeah. I think really simply, no, no matter what, I'm getting my PT involved because yeah. he's got a strength and conditioning background. So I'm bringing him on the floor. We're going to put them through a screening. Uh, you know, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to talk about this story because he gave me permission to, to discuss this. But I have a client of mine for 15 years and we knew he was going to have knee replacement. And I think we had like, he was scheduling it for like four or five months later because he wanted to get through golf season. It wasn't killing him, but it was it was kind of a mess. And when we sat down with Charlie and the group of PTs, we were like, listen, there's, we want to strengthen the area around it. We want to make sure that we're getting a good amount of flexion and extension out of the hips, yeah. um, out of the ankles. We wanted to kind of take a joint-by-joint -joint approach above and below. And it was amazing. He was 63 when he had it. He was back on the golf course six weeks after full knee replacement putting and chipping. That's amazing. Which is amazing. So you look at someone in their 60s, mm -hmm. and it was all because of his prehabilitation. Totally. And because we were getting... I've never heard that term. Pre prehab, I love it. I stole it from Mark Verstegen yeah. 10 years ago. I mean, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's, 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 that's not mine. I wish it was. Yeah. Stole it from Mark Verstegen. But yeah, prehab. So we, we prehab people. And really, at the end of the day, our only formula is as long as the PT says it's okay, anything that really hurts or staying away from yeah. weakness, instability, fine, keep your eye on it, yeah. make good exercise choices, and then go and train and develop that resiliency around it. And you will notice that you, you rebound really quickly. That's yeah. awesome. So it's, do you think it's just people... They get, they get an injury or they hurt somewhere and they're like, oh, it's an excuse not to, to do it. They're, they're looking for something and then they found it. So it's like, all right, sweet. Yeah. Some, like a vacation from training. And then... Yeah, like my sister. <laughs> yeah. I you... do. I do because I feel like, I feel like most people who, w when exercise and physical fitness is a part of your life, you do it no matter what. We all know that, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm sick. To, like, I feel like I feel kind of run down and then I work out and I feel so much better. Like, I think there there's two groups of people. There are people who Fitness has to be part of their lives, and without it, they're nothing yeah. miserable, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and they're miserable to everyone around them. That's mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's people who just—it's just not part of their lives. So it takes a lot to to get them there. And I usually say it's like it's, it's addictive, right? Yeah. It's like cannabinoids and endorphins and all that stuff. You can't convince someone of that. I think it has—it totally has to come from them. I yeah. mean, I. Do you, you know. think, do you think we've set as a society a poor example? of establishing what that standard is in fitness because my attitude is okay yes i'm gonna throw i'm gonna say p90x for instance right like they they're marketing geniuses they took exercises yeah. like the pull-up the push-up the split squat these are good movements that maybe not everyone should be doing depending right. on each each individual but these are great movements they package it into six days a week yep. 90 minutes of pop you take a sedentary person off the couch you move them at that type of volume and frequency and you're going to see improvements yeah but is that really doing us justice my attitude is you get someone sitting 365 days in a year and you get them sweating for 10 minutes a day we're good ne next year for 365 days they're going to get in better shape and have better yeah do you think as a society we're, we're doing a really poor job in setting that standard i i mean yeah if yeah. you look at obesity rates right. like clearly we are Is, you and know? that's going up i mean where are we where are we going with obesity rates right now I don't yeah even know. yeah it's just i don't think it's plateaued yet yeah. no i mean we have a terrible obesity epidemic in right. this country which i think is also very much diet related well, yeah, I right say, i mean you know even look at all the stuff i mean every day there's a new study on on diet and exercise and obesity but i think i think unless anything's changed, it's still, you know, 80% diet, 20% exercise. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah and but, which is really ridiculous given all the exercise physiology out there and the exercise research out there. And, you know, you, we, you, know, you and I have done segments on this where yeah. it's like, it just, it doesn't take that much. Right. Um, we, we did one, I, I, I think 
It's like we, we did one on sitting or we, yeah, yeah it, or we, like if you have you know if you have three minutes or you have five minutes, this is what you can do, kind of thing. But you that's know? it, and that's that's kind of been my mission. I mean, yes, I I, I love. I, I love the diehards, I do, but we've got to start catering to the people who are sitting for eight straight oh, hours yeah. and they're like, my back hurts. What exercise do I do? I'm like, the exercise you should do is probably standing up every 30 minutes. Yes, 30 minutes, exactly, you know, exactly, and, it, and not around. sitting all day. How uh, much, sorry, go I on. just didn't, uh, I wanted to ask about, like, so with P90X, were you saying that it sets a bad example? That it has to be that intense, you yeah. mean? That, I, I think anytime someone's getting in their head that it's gotta be 90 minute workouts, six days a week, Listen, I enjoy that personally. That's but um, right. That's just how I'm made. I'm not saying I'm any better than anyone else, but I'm yeah. not saying that's what you need as a person. Right. I might be better off doing 30 minutes a day, so, you know, five. Yeah. Minutes but a you week. enjoyed like the. You I enjoy, enjoy for me train, as right. much therapy, me too. mental therapy as it is. As I get more else. out of it yep. mentally than I do physically. Yeah. Me too. But um, I, I I wish people would just kind of get away from that. And they're and you know they're they're suddenly oh well I can't get to the gym today. Well yeah you can do 10 minutes of bodyweight work. Yeah. So do you think it intimidates them to where it's like an, a, a, another excuse to stay away? Like yeah, oh it's you, 90 minutes oh that's a lot. Well 90 minutes and then the videos like all the people in there are just in ridiculous shape and it's like that the yeah. ideal, you know what I mean, yeah. that, that you're striving for. Because, um, I mean, other than people just don't feel like it, I mean, I don't have the time is the biggest excuse for exercise, you know? And and then, then I'm like, oh, you have a phone. I know you right. have a phone. I know you have apps on your phone. And I know you have, you know, two legs and two arms and a floor. That's mm -hmm. all you need, right. you know, and 20 minutes. Yeah. So, because I get it. Like, it takes time to go to the gym, work out, take a class for an hour, come home. I mean, that you know, that's... That's a that's nice when you can do that. Yeah. Um, you know, right? I mean, yeah, it's a luxury. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. everybody can do that. If you're, you know, working, no. commuting, and working one or two jobs, and have young children, I get that. Right. I am only in the city Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and on those days, because I live in New Jersey, I don't exercise on those days. Yeah. Um, but I walk yeah. unless the weather's crappy. And then the other days, you but but the other days, and the you other know days, I'm in the gym. Okay, yeah. this is this is this is a great point. I was having a discussion with someone this morning, and I think this is all psychology to, to me. I, I, I'm I'm a true believer that the the mind controls everything, and that if you want to get in a great shape, it's literally all yeah. up here. And the problem that I'm the thing I've seen over my 20 year career are the ones that struggle are the ones who are not making it a priority. This is really simple. Like a day before, they're waking up that that morning and they're like, I'm supposed to go at 7 a.m., but I, you know I'm going to go at four. And I'm like, no, no, you got it. Like the night before, this is about, and then you got your strength coaches saying, well, you know, if your HRV is off or if you're, if you need more, more rest, this is as much of a mental thing as it is a physical. And mm -hmm. I'm a believer that commit to the time that you're going yeah. and stick to it. It's like if you have a business call, could you imagine being on a business or, 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 or having right. a client call and say, you know, I don't feel like taking an ATM. <laughs> it's establishing poor values, yeah. bad rules, and then it's instilling in that individual that it's not priority. Yeah. Right. That's okay. I could just move it around. It's not that important. No, no. Right. It's right. important. It needs to be as much a part of your day as, you know, brushing your teeth and mm -hmm. eating and it's like everything else that's in normally in your routine. Okay, Can you talk uh, about, uh, I wanted to talk about her routine for one second quick. Yeah. Do you mind yeah. jumping into because you no. said three days off, which I think is really impressive. Yeah, you're laughing right now. No, 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 we we have to dive into this. So, I gotta do that too. Um, so three days a week, you're working in the city. Yep, and what? I'm walking everywhere, and I walk on the escalator, right? Mm -hmm. And I do. I feel really bad saying this, but I feel superior to the people who are taking the escalator. Like it makes me feel good, right? I mean. And yeah. so I practice what I preach first and foremost. And I remember when I started 
private practice and people are like, they don't have time. I'm like, if I have time, you have time. If I had time to exercise in medical school, then everybody has time. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't need to be every day. And I think, and I, as I've gotten older too, I'm not as like insane where I know that it's going to be okay. You know, my body's not going to change if I, if I'm not as intense as I was 10 years ago, let's say. But, um, and I've, and I've done different things. Like I was a tennis player growing up. I was never in the gym. And again, I'm like a kid of the eighties. Like we didn't go to gyms as much. I never did Jane Fonda. Then I kind of like did like, I don't really know what I did in medical school. I like walked, I went to the gym a little bit. And then I met my husband when I was in medical school and he was like a gym rat. So he's like, you know, you can be much more efficient with a half an hour in the gym than 45, than a 45 minute brisk walk. And I was like, fine. So then I started running. Then I had a meniscal tear. Then I did tons of yoga. Then I had a herniated disc in my back. So I kept on having to sort of like adjust to my injuries. Um, and now I feel like I do a little bit of everything. I kickbox. I love bar, which I think is an amazing exercise, especially for women as we get older, because you're less likely to injure yourself because it's low impact. I don't feel like a wimp or a loser if I don't do as many burpees as somebody next to me. I'm like, you know what? I'm 49. I'm in really good shape. And... I don't have to do as many burpees as you, mm, yeah. and I'm okay with that, yeah. you know? Um, and I do Pilates, and I do fit classes. Like, I love functional integrated training, like movement with weights and stuff. A lot of variability in that. Lots of core, lots of plyotronics. Like, I don't do as much plyotronics as before just because it's too hard on my body. Um, but that's what I do. And so, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I'm in the gym, and, and then, in addition, I walk my dog. Um, yeah, so that's it. And I'm never sitting. I don't but sit that much. But you're also like super driven. I mean, you have yeah. 15 jobs, um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, Don, you're also the same. But it's you know the people that haven't yet prioritized training. Like, yeah. how can they build like get rid of the bad habits and build good habits to where they're doing that? Seriously, Zach. To me, it's the only reason that I work out. With well, two, one is that I want to feel comfortable in my clothes and feel like I look, you know, good. Right. Okay. So, but that's not the most important reason. Because we all know this. It's like, even if you may be like, oh, I might have gained a few pounds, but you do a class, you feel great. Why? Yeah. Why? Because of cannabinoids and endorphins. And that's what keeps me going back. Like, I just know that if I start my day with my workout, number one, it gives me, although there are studies that say this isn't a good thing, it's, it gives me a little more license to, um, you know, watch, like, binge watch friends with my kids <laughs> on the couch you know, or, you know, take a slower stroll or whatever. Like it just sets up my day, you know, for success. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I don't think you can convince people of that. They have to go to the gym mm -hmm. and feel how good they feel psychologically and physically to, to keep on going back. Have you ever had to turn someone away because they're just not taking your advice or taking your suggestions? That is such a good question. Um, my younger self, um, was a little bit firmer with people and I will never forget this patient literally this was I mean I was just starting out in practice like probably 31 or 32 was in my first office and it was an a very overweight and probably obese woman who was in tears because her knees were hurting her and and she said I'm not I just can't like I'm not trying to lose like things she was having you know there were issues right and she wouldn't um, commit to try to lose weight or exercise but she wanted me to fix her pain and I was like I just don't know if I can do that like I don't know that I can enter into this like relationship with you where there's just no reciprocity and I'm like the, I can give you medicine that can raise your blood pressure and cause problems and stuff like why wouldn't you want to meet me halfway 
Um, and that was really hard. And I think, but I, I'm not like that. I mean, not that I was like anything, but was I'm, I'm more tolerant now because I understand that because I just, I see the patients not as a disease, but as, as a human yeah, being. And if they're having limitations that are not allowing them to engage in exercise or not allowing them to want to lose weight, there's a reason for that. But you, you, know? but you, but you have to take, you, you have to make an effort. Right. It's got to be I so. Mean, I don't really yeah. see what you did as, as, as a bad thing. No, you, you know. know? It's, if someone's coming in, they're like, yeah, no, I want to I, I, right. I feel better, but I'm not going to take your advice. It's like, what the hell are you supposed to do? Yeah. I mean, one. it's kind of like, well, then you're, waste, you know, you're wasting your time. You're probably wasting my time a little bit because I really, like, it's going to be hard for me to take your pain away unless you want to get your knees replaced. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I just, because losing weight for, especially for knee OA is so, so, physical therapy and weight loss for knee arthritis is absolutely imperative. Now, do you have a lot of, or have you had in the past, a lot of patients coming and, you know, I know there's an opioid problem. Uh -huh. um, do they, are they coming and saying, I'm hurt. Can you prescribe me this? And is and you having to say like, no, that's not a terrific way to do this. So, so I have a very, um, I have a, I have a, not a complicated answer, but a very thoughtful answer to that. I was a unique doc in a sense because I was never a, a big opioid prescriber, barely at all, but not for the reasons that you might think. I think um, these days people are like, I'm, I'm afraid to because of the CDC recommendations right. and I don't want anyone to overdose and I don't want to get you know my, my license taken away. When I was training as a rheumatologist, I had an attending who did not prescribe opioids um, for their for his arthritis patients. And he said the reason is because their pain is inflammatory from RA, let's say, not so they don't need opioids. What they need is good disease control mm -hmm. of their RA. I was like, oh, okay. So that's how I was indoctrinated. So when my patients came to me and they said they were in pain, I was like, find the source of pain. It's their inflammatory disease. Let me do that. And so I was never a big opioid prescriber. And then as time went on, I realized, oh, shit, my patients are actually in a lot of pain in spite of the fact that their disease is under really good control. And what ended up, we all realized at some point that patients with RA and other autoimmune diseases very often secondarily develop fibromyalgia, which is sort of the name of, you know, what we call neuropathic pain or these pain amplification syndromes for which opioids historically are not that good. And mm. we treat with nerve pain medicines and things like that. So it's kind of like I missed the whole opioid epidemic prescribing, but for very, for very different reasons. Right. So when I get patients now, I have, I have a very, I have a lot of different patients with pain. Um, I have some patients whose doctors have taken their opioids away and they are miserable and they're suffering. And that's, <sighs> That is one part of the conversation that doesn't get a lot of air. We talk a lot about overdose and epidemic, but we don't talk a lot about the pain epidemic in the country, which is just as real. Um, and then you have the whole CBD movement and just in general, the treatment of chronic pain, you know, and there's a whole interplay of those things. So it's kind of like at this point, it's pretty easy for me to not prescribe opioids because I never really did and yeah. I'm not going to start now I will send people to pain management for that specific reason if they want to be prescribed opioids or if I think that they need opioids but in general it's not part it just never was part of my practice well when, when you prescribe and I know you, you mentioned you you never really did it so yeah. it, you might be the wrong person to ask but when you prescribe that is there a means to an end or is it like okay 
I'm putting you on opioids now because you have this pain. Right. And, you know, we're not really going to get to the root of the problem. We're just going to continue to continue exactly. with this resiliency and take more and more and more. And then that's a death sentence within itself. Right. Exactly. And I think that this is what's what was lacking in all of our education, mine included, is that if you start a medicine, you need to have an exit strategy. And to my knowledge, you know, unless, again, it's changing in residency programs and I'm not aware of, not only should you understand the dangers of, of, of opioids, because remember, we didn't, we were misled by pharma, et cetera, et cetera, but to think of like a true like duration of therapy um, and how to use medication assisted treatment, you know, how, how to use the medicines to get people off of opioids. That has to, I mean, just as much as prescribing of them, you need to understand how to take them off. Because I, I explain it to patients like through no fault of their own, they, you know, you do become physiologically tolerant to opioids. That's just the way they work. Um, and that they will likely need more and more the longer that they're on it. Not because they're, you know, craving or, you know, drug seeking, they just, need more to get the same benefit this is kind of a left turn but um and i don't know if it's too too you know a topic that you even want to jump into mm -hmm. but uh it's like right now with all these uh debates going on like you hear universal health care thrown around and you hear uh medicare for all uh thrown around like and then you have people on both sides that are saying one is better than the other one's terrible so it's like <laughs> which one is terrible which one is good are they both good are they both terrible is the system we have now horrendous like i'm it's a little confusing yeah it's confusing for us too you know i mean unless you're um i always say like unless you're part of the sort of public health kind of arena doctors for the most part are not necessarily the ones who have all the answers um what i will say is that the idea of like universal health care or Medicare for all always sounds good, right? But it, the money's got to come from somewhere. And I think the idea, what I'm hearing, like, you know, um, Bernie Sanders did a, um, a podcast with Joe Rogan. I don't know if, yeah. if you heard it, but my son and I were listening to it the other day. And, you know, he's like, basically like all these companies and businesses and huge corporations that I guess aren't paying their fair share of the taxes and loopholes and this and that would pay for it, you know? But I think, um, and this might be, you know, I don't know that this is the most informed answer, but I just, in my head, I'm like, it's got to get paid for somehow, right? You know, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't right. go poof. Yeah. Um, you know, and I do think that you, that healthcare is a right, you know, for all for all Americans. But you know, at some point, someone's got to foot the bill for that. Yeah. I just well, I wasn't trying to ambush you. Yeah, it's just no, it's it really okay. is a. Um, it, it just gets to the point where you hear all, all these different things, and it just be, it starts to melt together. Yeah. And you don't really know fact from fiction. Right. And it's it's tough because yeah, you want to. Yeah, you want to be taken care of and you want to know that you're going to everything's going to be cool when you get sick, you have somewhere to go and it's going to be yeah. handled. But uh yeah, I guess just not knowing the best way to go forward is 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 tough because right. it's Well, that it's, was like the whole the whole notion of the individual mandate, right? right? I mean, it's like um you know, people had a huge huge problem with that, but it was kind of like, well, somebody's got to pay, right? It's like, you know, the insurance companies are going to pay are, are paying for your health care and they can't only have sick people right i mean it's like they need all of the they need all the revenue from everybody in order to pay for the sickest people you know it's like at the end of the day it just comes down to money yeah i just know that when uh 
a while back, I didn't have health insurance, and man, every day was like terrifying. Like to do yeah. something, I was like, man, if I, like, could have been wiped out financially if, oh if, I had, if I had an accident. So it was just. Or like you get your, or like you have to get your appendix out. Right. You know. So yeah, it was it was spooky. So I can get why people like want to find the system that works, but right. man, just I feel like. Just feel like it would be a little easier. I, I know. Yeah. I know a woman who who can't get a job right now because um, if she gets a job, then she is discontinued from her from her health care, which I guess she's receiving from the from the government. Does that make any sense? I mean, she's she had she had, she had a very I can't go into too, too yeah, much yeah, detail yeah. without disclosing, but she had a very big issue and she was very sick and she had to have some surgeries done and she's lost a substantial amount of weight and she's unable to I'm like well you're getting to the point where you can get a job she's like yeah I just can't get it yet because I won't get the coverage that I'm getting oh pro- well if she's in Medicaid yeah. probably then yeah. you know and because that's, if to, you're that to me scary yeah. right but then she should get employer <clears throat> She right. should get an employer. I just don't think the coverage care. would be the same oh. in reference to the yeah. job that she's. Yeah. Right. She's it shouldn't be to. so complicated, right? Yeah, I wouldn't think so. But this is how society's thinking. To me, I'm like, yeah. really simple. Like, yeah. I know. Go, go yeah. get a job. You're moving around more. You're getting up. You're going to lose more weight. And you're gonna, you know, it just doesn't. To, to me, it's. I feel like the whole system screwed up. I'm just glad you cracked that joke. Cause I felt like I bummed out the whole room. So I, mean, I just didn't mean to take that turn. No, I mean, that was that was that was a deep topic. I mean, it's, it's fine. I mean, oh, I don't yeah. want to throw her under the bus. I mean, I know she's got an opinion on it, and I don't know if she's able to discuss I it. I just figured that it, because she, you know, this is, you know, her area. Like she would have, you know, again, I think you did explain as much as you could, but it's like I. It's, you said it's just confusing for you guys as it is for us. So There's that's just so many good. different stakeholders. That's the problem. Yeah. It's like, you know, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but between insurance companies and pharmaceuticals, um, you know, this like ridiculous inflation of our drug costs. Right. And it's like, so it's like everyone's, everyone has their hand in it. And so they're ha- the prices are so inflated because everyone has to take their cut. Yeah. Right. You know, you have things called pharmacy benefit managers. So, you know, I don't know. Jeez. You guys are healthy. You don't know this. But if you start having to get all these fancy medicines, you don't go to your local pharmacy and get them. You know, they're getting sent out to all these specialty pharmacies that are handling the approvals for all these expensive drugs. I did not know this. Um, and that's what ends up happening. So it's like, who's really raising the drug prices? Is it just pharmaceutical industry or are they doing it because everyone has to take a cut there's so many middlemen Man. you don't just prescribe a drug and they go to your local CVS and pick it up so and you have these really expensive ones so if you buy stuff overseas on the internet you also probably don't know what you're getting uh, that's one Not thing right necessarily like I know you know my patients get their stuff in Canada I have some patients who get their medicines in Europe you know for sometimes like but do they run like the source the past you to like to vet it, or is it just like you know I'm going on website X and uh, no, they just get it. You know, hopefully it works out because yeah. I don't I don't know I guess it, I guess that's the other thing, right? So how do you know? Uh, do you just you just gonna trust? You know, somebody? I mean, I think it kind of like depends where you're getting yeah. the medicine, but um, I go to Craigslist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people will do it. Yeah, people do it, and they save a ton of money. You know, in some cases, it's. You know, I have no problem with it. I mean, I know some some of the prescriptions my patients have, you know, they're not a lot, but, you know, and now we're getting biosimilars, you know, which is finally some of our, you know, our big, big blockbuster drugs are off patent. And so, you know, we're getting generics, um, you know, which just the more drugs, the more competition, it's going to drive down prices. It's 
basic economics there. Is there any difference between brand name and generic drugs? There is. Yeah. Big so, difference. Okay. Just in um, cost or just quality? Or both? You know, cost for sure. Um, and quality, I think the only thing, you know, it's interesting because we, like if you ask the pharmacists or ask the Pharmacy Times, you know, like they're, they're a great resource for, for patients. Um, they'll often say to go with, with brand um, just because it's a known entity, you know, and that like if there's going to be studies on X, Y, or Z, you know, Advil versus Motrin or whatever, like a lot of times they'll do it with the brand. But generics, generics are great. I mean, they have, they definitely serve a purpose. The issue is that, um, you know what, I shouldn't even comment on that because I don't know exactly what the approval process is for all generics and if it's as stringent and rigorous as it is for brand. Got it. But I will but tell you. Some might you, be and some might not be, right? Right, but exactly. Um, and I think the difference is that in order for it to be marketed as a different medicine, it often will have like one little difference. So, you know, patients will say, I only respond to the brand, I don't respond to the generic. And I've had a case where, um, a patient has had an allergic reaction to the generic and not the brand. So it's like they're not 100% the same because right. they're 100% the same. They'd be the same drug. How do you how do you know? I mean, I think of it as like, you know, it's the supplement world, technically. I mean, it's yeah. no different right. than going into GNC and now when people, you know, a lot of that. You, you don't. You know, I mean, I, like, no, I've had patients who have been on medicine and they're like, I just don't feel as good on this. And I will say, like, ask your pharmacist if their latest batch of X drug is from the same distributor. And oftentimes, like, they'll find a different one, you hmm. know, because it's more cost-effective or they ran out or something, and patients don't know. Is supplementation something you get asked a lot about instead of just, you know, what they can do to in terms of diet? Um, I Yes and no, because I that's where I'm like, I just, you yeah. know, like, it's it's ironic because on the one hand, we, sit, we tell, you know, doctors in training and everybody, like, always get your ask patients what they're taking including all supplements but then they'll show me the supplement and with a list of things that I don't know right. you know and I don't really know how to to um to vet it or or whatever for them but yes pe just like patients will say can I fix this with my diet they'll say what supplements should I take but there you know there there is supplement research right you know it's just um it's not as vast I still as know if that drug was, research I just didn't know if that was like the first stop for some for many people like that they would rather just take the supplement like a quick fix and then rather than change or rearrange their entire lifestyle ah. are you talking about trt now are you talking about like testosterone replacement therapy because, no no i, I wasn't because it almost felt it, it almost felt like it and i'm gonna i want to add no but i think that's you know yeah, I, I mean what's your i mean it's the same question but sure. what's your what's your opinion on you know, on TRT and are people like, is that something that you should be exploring at, you know, if you're in your eighties and nineties? I don't know anything don't know about, about that. Okay. So, you know, okay. There's a fair answer. But yeah, no, I don't. Um, you know, what's interesting. I, 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 I'm hearing your real question with, and you did say it. It's just, that I was, yeah. I was hearing something different at first, but, um, honestly, I think most of the patients who are interested in supplements are the ones who are, very much in the na in the naturopathic path, you know? So they see it as part of, like, whether or not they take, for example, turmeric, right? right. It's like you can put turmeric in your food or you can take turmeric by supplement, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the people who are asking about supplements are usually 
they're doing it in the context of I want to see how many you know anti-inflammatory things I can put into my body, um, not as a substitute necessarily. Okay, but do they but do they want to eliminate alcohol? That was that. That was actually that's yeah, so funny. You, you said know, that. that was my next question. People, people come to me asking about supplementation, but they don't want yeah. to do the big things first. Yeah, that's interesting. And how bad is okay? How that, bad that's is a, alcohol? Yeah, that's a good question. I know that. I, I wish it wasn't so. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. It is. It's, no, I mean that's like, yeah, um, it's just it stinks. You know, I mean, the part that stinks about it is that the amount that's, like, from the. Is from GI, but you know, it's like women one serving a day and men can have two servings a day um, because of the way guys metabolize alcohol differently and stuff. But you know, as little as a few drinks a week, you know, is a carcinogen, right. um, which just stinks. Huh. You know, it, it, it does when it does you are stink. when you are used to. In my lifestyle, I have to go on it and off it because I do enjoy it. And when I'm, you know, when I when I did your cover last year, people were, "How did you prep for that?" And I'm like, you know, I, I was drinking maybe a few drinks a week, maybe mm-hmm. one night a Saturday night. My wife and I would mm-hmm. go to dinner. I eliminated alcohol for five weeks. Did you did, feel better? I felt amazing, and I lost seven pounds. Ooh. So. You know, I, did, I, did I change my diet that much? Honestly, no. Like, I, I, he knows how I eat all year long. I, I, I dialed in a couple things. But when someone asks me about booze, I'm less concerned with the caloric. Like, if, if I go drink, I'll, I'll yeah. drink more. It's more about the, what it's doing to your hormones when I, I sleep. And it's, I think that's something that's missed I in society. I think you just, I mean, I know, like, every every New Year's, they always talk about this, about how, I think there was, like, a study, right? Like, how more young people, probably millennials, aren't drinking. As much, as much. Mm-hmm. Um, which is amazing. Um, They're taking edibles. Yeah, I know, yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. But wait, Zach, you're like, yeah. how do you do it all? I'm like, because I really enjoy my wine. Yeah, like every night, you know. Yeah. But and I try to to not drink a lot of it because I'm so that would be hypocritical on the one hand. But then I think, but I do everything else. You oh, know? Yeah. I mean, I eat well and I exercise. But unfortunately, it's not like. They cancel each other out, but yeah, but you, but you, but I, I just, you know, everyone has their thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. My grandmother lived to ninety nine. Her four sisters all lived between the ages of ninety six and one hundred and five, and they all had a scotch every day. I was gonna say, and they yeah. were making, you know, tomato sauce out of like fresh ingredients. They didn't know well, what organic was and not organic. And so, like, right. So, who's to say that you know our environment? Mm-hmm. Isn't is not hurting me more than my glass of wine is, you know? I bet it is. I know. I bet being near being right, near that's I'm drinking tonight. No, 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 but no, but that's, 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 that's <laughs> but that's my point also. It's like okay, like what are you what are you living for also? Like someone yeah. like right. someone someone came at me the other day because I'm not a vegan, and they were blasting what? me because I yeah they're, they're blasting me because you know and I'm like well listen is this more of a religious thing is this more of like a health thing they're like you know you're gonna get cancer like that you know that, oh, that yeah. was more of that and I was like you know what man I'm like I don't want to go through life put aside all the health stuff I do so many good things yes I do not want to go through life just eating plants I and know. grains I know and it's we not, all know, I don't find enjoyment yeah. and that. we all know those stories about like people who've done everything right you right. know like I don't drink I don't smoke and blah blah Sean, blah Sean, Sean Perrine like that's the, what I was just we're talking to. about yeah I, I mean he he did it all right. I know. And he did everything by the book. I know. 
And yeah, I mean, so stuff can happen that's just out of your control. Mm. Exactly. I can't believe somebody would really come after you like that. Like, yeah. what, because you didn't adopt to their, their life. No, didn't it, was, adopt their you know, it started as a discussion. And I'm like, well, uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, you started it. You know, are you not eating animals? You know, are you not eating animal protein for religious purposes? Is it more healthy? He's like, oh, because it, it causes cancer. And he was very, like, snappy and direct at me, which I always roll my eyes to because I'm like, all right, is there. Are you reading some study that was the China study? Like, yeah. what are you what are you reading? Yeah. And, and was that even valid? And and then and I've got my opinions on it. But you know, this is the same person who's going to go out and drink five tequilas on a Saturday night. Right. I'm like, what's going to cause cancer first? You right. having grass fed beef a couple times a week? Are you going out and intoxicating yourself with a with a with a with a harmful substance? Yeah. And you know, destroying your hormones and like that's 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 my argument now. So. Uh, but I like your answer, and I think yeah. you're obviously the board of health, in my opinion. I mean, you're, you're obviously no, but no, but you 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 have balance, and I think that's yeah. what it's really about. Right? Yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah, about. you know, I mean, don't you guys remember? Well, I don't know how old you guys are, but I mean, I just will not forget ever that experiment from the 19. I call it a social experiment. Remember how everything was low fat? Oh yeah, the the snack wells. Frozen ever. yogurt, yeah. like all this stuff, and what happened? Obesity just went. Boom. Why? Because we substituted all that fat with these with sugar and all of that stuff, you know? And it's like, that was extreme. And I fell into that. I was like, oh, this has to be low fat, non-fat. I drove my mom crazy when I was a teenager, you know? So I, I definitely, and she's, my mom's German and she always would have the expression in German, like just stay in the middle. You know, stay in the middle, like she's right. neutral. Yeah, and my grandma was right. Yeah, because <laughs> she was. She was. She didn't overeat, and she she had three square meals a day, and she lived a low stress lifestyle. And yeah. and it's like okay, like she did just exactly. Fine. Yeah, there's something to all that. Yeah. Um, how how are we gonna tie? I, I lost total track. No, I think we. Um, we're, we're about there. We're about at the hour. Yeah, I, I hope that you'll come back sometime because yeah, I I'd love I, to. I mean, just from what we discussed, I have a handful of notes that I would love to just to tackle but we you know i didn't mean to throw a lot of curveballs but it's just he got excited since, since you're here yeah i'm like <laughs> you know what i'm just gonna kind of get these out of the way because i i want to know this stuff and it's yeah. you, why not ask uh you know ask the expert rather than go to reddit all the time so um, <laughs> yeah, but i also think it's making a, a a difference for the viewer also and it's course. bringing a perspective that a lot of people are no, don't, don't have access to and i think yeah i mean it'd be great um be great if we can maybe cover a couple other topics in a few months i agree sure. be- because sometimes and um you know sometimes we're, we're very specific in, in covering a lot of exercise stuff but it's like this is something that applies to everybody including people who exercise a lot so mm-hmm. you know it just it was just a good time to to kind of take uh, tackle those i love it how can people get in touch with you yes Oh, um... Social handles, whatever. My oh, that, yeah. Instagram. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you gotta go to the, go to the hospital now. You gotta give us, yeah. you gotta give them, we're, we're not asking for you, but how about your, how about your Instagram handle? Because I think people will be I think it's, I think it's... <laughs> Am I gonna have to look it up? Dr. Here? Natalie TV. Oh. Okay. Dr. Natalie TV. We're gonna, <laughs> when, when we, when we put your post up, we're gonna, we're gonna tag you on that. And, mm-hmm. I think this would be great. People get some insight into what you do. I think it's really impressive. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. No, you want to close out? Yeah, this is episode uh, 647. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I want to thank Dr. Natalie, Natalie Liazar for coming on. It was awesome. Uh, a Thanks, lot of topics. Guys. And uh, just super excited to, to have you here. You can follow Don at, at Don Saladino. And you can follow Zach at Zraz. Yes. Right? I got it. I can't change. Did you change, change your picture I yet? Can't. Is it still a cat? Still a cat. And... Uh, <laughs> You can hit us up at reps at muscleandfitness.com if you want us to try to get a specific guest or a specific topic. Um, 
We will kick that we around. Will, we will try not going to be as cool as Dr. Azar. Though, <laughs> no, not at all. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.